Well, that is a prayer of being available, and uh, that's been the theme of our year. It's been why we've, I've enjoyed bringing people up here and, and uh, letting you hear their stories and see what God is doing among them, and hopefully that's pricking some things inside of you and making you wonder and ask yourself the question, how can you be more available to the Lord? I want to just uh, do a little bit of uh, time in the Word here yet this morning, kind of completing what we started last week. Uh, we're talking about being available to the Lord, and we really were spending our time last week with this verse right here from uh, Revelation, I'm sorry, not Revelation, from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Uh, By faith, Abraham obeyed, that's really the key right there, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And we spent a lot of last week uh, just kind of, I spent a lot of time hammering home this idea that if, what it means to be available, thank you, sir, I'll try not to spill it up here today. Put it back there. Hopefully I don't get too excited and kick it over there. I tried to hammer home the point that that's what it means is, is we don't always have the things figured out. We don't always know where it's going to go. We don't know what the end's going to be. We don't know if, it's, if we're going to lose face, if we're going to get embarrassed, if people are going to say weird things about us, if we may perhaps fail. We don't know all those things, and many times that prevents us from putting ourselves in a place where we are available to God and say, Lord, use me however you want to. But Abraham, by faith, obeyed. The Lord's been just kind of uh, bringing back to me over and over again, and this is not something that's, that's brand new, so this is not some uh, amazing point, which, by the way, I'm convinced that you're, you're not, you're not, we're not looking for those. We're looking to be reminded of those things that we know that have been, been walked out by believers years and years and years and years and years already. But if the journey begins by faith, then why would we think it's any different as we keep on walking it, right? If we must enter by faith in Jesus Christ, that's the, only way we, that's the only option we have. Then why would it be any different as we keep walking with him? You see, isn't that revealed somehow how we think it changes sometimes? We think by faith we're going to believe in Jesus, and then from then on, like, we can have all these things figured out, or we can have it all in control, or we can have it all in hand, or we know everything's going to happen. And it doesn't work that way. By faith, Abraham obeyed. But let me say this then, as we're going to finish the second half of this message, let me say this. It's really easy when I talk about this kind of verse and I talk about all the whole message long and I hammer it home, it's really easy to kind of put it in one category or for you to be put in one category and think that the only worthwhile thing I can do for me to be available to God is if I have to go somewhere because that's what Abraham did, right? He packed up all his stuff and he went. He didn't know where it was going to end up. And that is what I taught, and that is exactly what happened with Abraham. However, that is not the only thing that what it means to be available. So if you're left sitting here thinking, man, I'm not available if I'm not willing to go somewhere for God, and I'm not really sure I'm willing to go. I don't really know if I'm supposed to go. I don't really feel that unction inside of me, so maybe I'm not as available as I ought to be. I want to just sort of finish this off and say, that's not what it means at all. In this case, it meant physically leaving or going. That's not what it always means. Going, going in faith does not mean that you have to physically go somewhere every time. And I want to try to kind of flesh that out. And I want us to look at going maybe some, not so much in terms of physically going somewhere this morning, but in terms of our walk with Jesus, our, our, our journey with Jesus. I just use those words. We began the journey by faith. It has to continue by faith. Our walk with Jesus. I brought this verse to us a couple of, uh, maybe a month or so ago when I was going through Acts, and it's the verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, I put it up here for us. You can look there if you want. But Ephesians 4, verse 1 says, Paul wrote this. He says, I urge you, therefore, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, get it read right, 
I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. He goes on to say some other things, but I really want to stop with that verse there because he's reminding us, listen, you've been called to something, and it's not a, it's not a static kind of thing, it's, which is to say, you've not been called to be saved and then just to exist there. I hope you can agree with me about that. You've not been called to just be saved and exist there and stop there. You've been called to something more than that, which is why he uses this kind of language. He says, I want you to walk. That indi indicates motion, right? That indicates journey. That indicates something. I want you to walk in a manner worthy to what you've been called. Now, by the way, Paul is intrigued in the book of Ephesians with this word walk. He uses it different times. I'll just read a few of them. I didn't put them on the screen, but I'll just read a few of them for you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are his workmanship. We're God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, when God created you, this is very simple to understand, by the way. Don't get all caught up with the whole predestination. Uh, free, it's not about that. It's very simple to understand. When God created you, he intended you to, to do good things for him. Walk in them. Do them. That's what he, that's what he designed you for. Simple as that. Also in chapter 4, just a few verses after what I had read, what I have up there, in verse 17 he says, Now this I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. There's a distinction with how we walk from how everyone else walks in the rest of the world that doesn't follow Christ. We, should, we know these things, but it's good to be reminded of them, right? There should be a distinction of what our walk, our journey looks like, based on what the rest of the world looks like that has no, nothing to do with Jesus. In chapter 5, he says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. By the way, exhibit number one for how our walk is different than the rest of the world's, because the rest of the world does not, will not sacrifice for other people. And he says you should walk in love as Christ has loved us. We should give ourselves up, be a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Just a few verses later, in verse 8, he says, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Walk in the light. That's where things that are good and right and true. Try to figure out what God wants and walk in that. None of this see how far away I can get. Let's see how close I can get. Let's see what God wants and walk in that light. And a little bit further on in chapter 5, he says similarly about walking in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Again, the reminder of two things. That there's unfortunate things, there's evil things, there's sinful things happening around us. We shouldn't walk like that. But also the reminder that we should make the best use of our time. What does that mean? When you hear that phrase, what do you think that means? What's that implying? If, you should, if I would encourage you, hey, make sure you walk correctly before the Lord, make the best use of your time, what am I implying to you? What am I telling you? You tell me. Again, you know I like to be interactive. You tell me. What am I implying to you when I say, hey, make the best use of time? Somebody said something. Time is limited, and time is coming to an end. That's both wrapped up in there. 
Time is limited. If I tell you to make the best use of time, that means you could be doing some things with your time and not other things. Make sure you do the right things. It also implies, when it says the days are evil, make the best use, it implies to us that it's coming to an end sometime. There's a stop coming. We should not walk as unwise, but as the wise making the best use of our time. We should walk sacrificially as a fragrant offering. We should not walk as, as, the, as the world does, as the Gentiles do, is what he calls them there. The futility of their minds. They don't understand how, who God is or what God wants from us. And they walk. These are all words about journey. We're talking about walking. I want to read for you this morning just a couple. And I don't often like to do this. In fact, I almost never do this because I don't feel like it's right because I feel like my time is to teach you what the Word says. But this fits so well with what, our message, what my message is today that I want to read this. This actually comes from an article called Life on Purpose. It's by three guys named Claude Hickman, Stephen Hawthorne, and Todd Arend. And it actually, two of those guys wrote a book about this, and this article is really from that. Just a really short excerpt. And I want to just sort of put this out here to kind of guide us where the rest of the text is going to take us here today. They say, there's a difference, listen carefully, there's a difference between going out for a walk and setting out on a journey. When someone takes a walk, they may stroll along, meandering here or there. They may be getting out, but they are not necessarily getting anywhere. But when people set out on a journey, they pack up and pull things together. That sounds a lot like Abram's call to follow God. Sounds a lot like our call to follow God, by the way. They choose a course and move decisively. People on a journey move with a purpose. When it comes to God's will, many of us want the GPS version of God, hopefully with turn-by-turn British-American voice prompting us at every intersection. Is that not true for us, by the way? Sometimes God gives people very specific instructions, mapping out what they are to do in detail, but this is rare. The world, however, is a map factory. It continually bombards us with plans for success, Agendas both personal and political, and road signs that read, happiness is just ahead. Most maps lead toward personal gratification and status, or just loop back to the status quo. Now, they're going to make a distinction here, so pay attention to this, a little bit of a distinction between a map and what uh, the opposite of a map, or what they say that, that God is for us. A map is very appealing to a person looking for direction. And I have to confess to you, if you know me at all, my wife knows me, my family, I'm a bit of a map nerd. I love maps. I can sit there and just look at maps for hours. It's kind of a crazy thing about me. I don't know why I'm like that, but I like maps a lot. But this is very, this, this is very, uh, this is, this pricks me a bit. A map is very appealing to a person looking for direction, but the map is an easy way out. It appeals to the lazy. God gives people direction more than directions. Do you catch that? God gives people direction more than directions. He will not rob you of the faith-building experience of obeying him based on what he says and not on what you see. Now think about we just, we spent a whole chapter on faith with Abraham. Abraham obeyed. He went out even when he didn't know where he was going to end up. All of that fits in with what they're saying here. That's why they say, that's why they're saying this. God does not want to rob you of the faith-building experience of obeying him based on what he says, not on what you see. We cannot expect to get all the detailed instructions before we're willing to begin traveling the path. The Bible does not lay out a map. Listen carefully. It gives us a compass. Think of how those two are different. God calls you to join him in journeying in a steady direction toward a grand global destiny. He's calling us to follow a compass and to evaluate any maps that come our way by his overarching purpose. Now, this is really, think of how many times this, this, this bumps into, now, if you want to read that further, I'd be glad to send that to you because it's a bit of a chunk to read to you and I expect you to just like process it all in one, in one sitting, hearing it orally. But think about what that's saying. 
It happens all the time, right? I'll give you this example. In the church world, it happens all the time. Something good happens. God moves powerfully, and we immediately, using their language, we immediately want to build a map on how that worked and try to hand it out and say, let's keep doing this map over and over again. Is that what God wants? No. Now, that's not to say we don't do some of the same things again and again. Trust me, that's not what it's saying. But listen to the difference between a map and a compass. A map tells you what's already explored, right? By definition, a map only tells you what's already explored. A compass gives you a heading, a direction, where you're supposed to be going. I would tell you this morning that God has a grand purpose. Do you want to take some stabs at what God's grand purpose is? I'd love to hear from you, by the way. Just what are, what are some things that, if you were to say, what's God's grand purpose? What is God after in all of this? He made the world. He made us. Time continues. We have children. Things go on. We have evil coming in. We have Jesus. Came, all, what is God's grand purpose? Give me some thoughts. Give me some ideas. What's that? To be glorified. That's a really great place to start. I would tell you, by the way, if you've heard me preach before, that those are things that come out of my mouth, that that's the one thing that God is interested in more than anything else, is that he gets glory. What else, though? There are some other things. What's, what's, what's the great, grand, final destination that God is bringing us towards? Heaven, which is what? Tell me about what, what, what about heaven? What, why is that God's great plan? Fellowship with him? What else? What's that? It's a reward. Now, there's lots of places we could pull this from, potentially, but one of, the, one of the sort of easiest places that I can think of that's sort of all together is in the book of Revelation, which makes sense because it's where uh, God reveals sort of what he's planning for the end. I, know, I would turn there with me, if you would. Revelation chapter 7. I want to read these words because I, I, would, I want to submit to you this morning that this is a, a picture, a glimpse of what God's grand plan is. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, John is having his revelation. He says, after this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out loud, I'm sorry, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Look at this amazing scene that John sees. As he's, he, this is what's going to happen. This is where God is taking all of this. Now think about it. This, we're talking about the, the, the true north. We're talking about the compass heading that God has given us. This is what he wants. Look at what it says. I'm going to pick out a couple of phrases here. It says that John saw a great multitude that no one could number. And where did they come from? They came from everywhere, right? From every nation. I think John thought, tried to think of every word he could think of to say that they were from different places. Every nation, from all tribes, from all peoples, from all languages, everywhere. Everybody present. Now, this is maybe a minor point, but it, I think it's a point nonetheless for those of us who are in Western Christianity. We have got to lose the mindset that we are somehow more special than anywhere else around the world. And that's maybe not unique to Western Christianity, by the way. It's maybe just unique to humanity. 
that we think God came to save us because we're so great. Pardon me for speaking bluntly, but I, I, I feel like so many times we're in that place. I'm, those of us in the church, we're in that place. We think we're something special that God saved us, and, and I'm not saying all of us are like that. Please understand me. We forget, and I mean, what did we hear over and over? There's people that just went on international trips. Over and over, some of the themes that came out, that one of the best things that happened was that, to realize that God has people that love him everywhere, and it was so much fun to worship them, even when I couldn't understand a word they said. This is because it's part of God's great plan. This is what he wants in the end, that this scene happens. People from every tribe and nation and tongue and language and people will be around the throne worshiping him. That's what God wants. He's not satisfied with just having English-speaking people or white people or any color people. I can say that because we're here today, mostly English-speaking, mostly white. Actually, probably all English-speaking, all white. That's not what God is wanting. I mean, we're part of that. I'm not, I'm not trying to like, speak negatively about us, but it's bigger than us. And what are they saying? They are saying this. They're being very clear with what they say. Salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And they're worshiping. And it goes on to paint this scene of more people around, and then it uses these words. Amen. May it be so. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Again, about every word we can think of, be to God. He gets the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. I would submit to you, this is the true north. It's the grand plan. It's what God is intending for in the end. Now, lots of other things happen along the way. And believe me, we should be overjoyed that that involves our salvation. Because God is very clear in his word. He says that he wants every one of us to be there. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But that doesn't remove the fact that the overarching purpose of God is that scene that's coming someday where people from every tribe and language and nation are going to be gathered around his throne worshiping him and giving him glory forever and ever. Now you see how they say every map that comes our way, every plan for how to do things must be evaluated by that purpose. Including our own maps here at church. And again, I don't, I mean, I, I, I sense sometimes that you're gonna get a little stiff about this and say, like, this is not a map for us, it's a compass. But I'm gonna challenge you to, to look at whether that's really true or not. There are certainly instructions in here. Don't get me wrong. But overall, what is this? This is the story of who God is, what he wants from us, what great things he has done for us, who we are, how much we need him. Those are all things that help us stay, say, here's the north, here's, here's the compass, here's the guiding thing. This may be reaching pretty far back for some of you, but I remember when Brett came back from Ellerslie, and one of the things, the themes he talked about as he came back, he said that one of the things they talk about out there is a lot is that God, if you visualize yourself as, and I'm, I'm, hopefully I'm getting this, this quote correctly, so I'm sure his family can correct me if, if this isn't quite right, but this, this, that God, that there's this, this great big forest that you just keep to explore. You never get to the end of who God is. Do we ever understand God perfectly? I don't. I'm growing. He reveals. He gives me more understanding about this, through this, what this says. I don't understand God perfectly all the time. I mean, I actually never have God perfectly all figured out. It's this never-ending, that's why I need a compass, right? So that I continue to follow him and his grand plan. Now, what does all this have to do with being available? 
it all comes back to the fact that if we're going to walk in a manner worthy to which you've been called, if we're going to be available to God how we ought to be, it means getting rid of a lot of, or not relying on, it's not getting rid of, that's a bad, that's a bad phrase. I shouldn't say it that way. Understanding that the maps have to yield to the compass. That when God has his overarching purpose and we are on board with that, that he wants to, we, get to, we get to join him in that purpose. That's what we want. That's what we need. That's what God wants. Because that gets rid of all the other stuff that I think God ought to do for me. Instead, it's me saying, how can I join and make sure that I'm part of what you want to do? Looping back just briefly, because I'm going to find a way to, to, get, to get us to the end of this message here, which you will appreciate, I'm sure. So many times when we talk about these things, we, talk, we, we kind of nail it in categories and say, well, you're either this or you're this or this, and that's not always very helpful, mostly because seasons change in our lives, right? Sometimes you're doing this, sometimes you're doing that, sometimes something else happens. I'd like to talk today just about if we have that kind of mindset, that kind of mindset that... God has this overarching purpose, and I want to join in. I want to be part of that, which means I'm available to him to use for his purposes. Whatever he asks me to do, I'm in. I want to talk about, not in terms of, like, categories we fit in, but practices that that are part of our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus. These are practices. Now, you're going to notice some of these. In fact, I'll just put the first one up here because the first, well, if this thing goes, there you go. Put the first one up here, is going, because that's something we've been talking a lot about. And by the way, people need to go, right? People have to go. How will people believe if they don't hear, right? How will they hear if no one goes and tells them? How will anyone go and tell them, this is my paraphrase, if they don't get sent? Isn't that why scripture says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Someone has to go. People have to go. If there's going to be people from every tribe, nation, language, tongue that are around the throne, if that's what God wants, if that's his overarching purpose, someone has to go because there's many of those who have never, ever, ever heard. Sometimes, by the way, it's not very far away. But, but someone does have to go because some of them are in the far reaches of the earth. And for some people, again, this is, see, you should, we should see ourselves, these are all things we practice. We major on one of them probably, but we're going to practice all of these things. And our seasons will change such that we may not major on the same one all the time. But some of us need to go. That's true. It can't be any other way. That's why the Great Commission is to go, right, into all the world. Someone has to go. But we also have to have other practices that are part of what we do. When we're not going, perhaps we are sending. That's the other one, by the way. And again, this is not a category. It's not like you're one or the other. And so if you do one, you can't do the other. This is a practice. Even sometimes those of us who are going are in the, in the business of the practice of sending. We have to have people that send too, right? We have to have people that send. In fact, it is my belief, you may have heard me say this, but it's my belief that God has gifted some people with the specific ability to make money so that they can send people into the mission field. And there's people sitting here that have done that. I think that's how it ought to be, by the way. I don't think you should apologize to have, for having a gift of making money, assume, assuming you do the right thing with your money. Just like you shouldn't apologize for having a skill in life, assuming you do the right thing with your skill. That is to honor God with it, not yourself. Somebody has to send, right? If there's people who are always going, someone has to send. But there's even more practices than that that are part of that. And I want to, want to talk about a few of those that maybe aren't ones we typically think about. Welcoming. Do you understand there's lots of people who need to know Jesus that actually come into your sphere rather than you going to them? Are you available for that? Are you aware of that? Even if we're talking about the nations, God's heart for the nations, 
There are more and more people who are from different places in our midst. Now, we don't live in a, you know, urban multicultural hub here. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but that's not really what's going on. Yet, within 20 minutes of here, I, I can assure you there are multiple ethnicities represented that need to know Jesus. From all different walks. You can pick some different ones. If you care to be aware or care to be available or care to be used in this way, for some of us, it's not about going or about sending. It's about welcoming those that are right here. By the way, just a word on this. I don't want to get caught up with this, but just a word on this. I think we have slowly let our, our, the, the, the actual task of hospitality slip away from us. And when I say that, I want to be clear. I don't always just mean that we don't invite people over anymore. But I mean we tend to only invite people over that are already our friends. And that's not actually what the gift of hospitality is. That's just called being friendly with people, which is good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying you should have people that are your friends in your home. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not really what the biblical practice of hospitality is. Because the biblical practice of hospitality is inviting those with a specific purpose, those that probably aren't going to get invited somewhere else, those that need to know the love of Jesus. It's about opening your home to those that are different from you many times or that you maybe don't see eye to eye with or maybe that you're not always just best of friends with. Yeah, this kind of steps on, on our toes, doesn't it? Because we still sometimes like to say that we're hospitable, hospitable people. And really, we just have the people over that we see every week that we're really good friends with. Not even everybody here in the church, by the way. Just people that we, you know, go talk to every Sunday after church. Again, I'm not saying that's bad. You should have friends. You should have them over. You should enjoy life with them. There's a lot more to welcoming and a lot more to being hospitable than that. I got one amen. I don't know who said it, but I got one amen. There's one final practice I think I want to bring to your attention. That's this, this, the practice of mobilizing. Because not everyone is going to be going. Not everyone's going to be sending. Not everyone's going to be welcoming. But perhaps your role is in mobilizing, which is to equip and to encourage and to call out and to identify those and to, and to, and to make sure that they're ready to go. By the way, I, I think I said this uh, when we went through the perspectives class. This, is, this kind of stuff was, was shared in, in, that, in, that perspe- in that class. And that's changed some things for me because I began to see myself in this role. I had never even realized this practice existed, by the way. And I, and, I, and I began to see myself that way. For many years, I chafed at the fact that I told God I'm willing to go, and he said he didn't say yes. I didn't like that. I thought, how can God say no to a missionary going? And I began to realize that that's not what God wanted me for. He wanted me to mobilize people to go, which is why I'm spending a lot of time doing exactly what I'm doing with these series of being available, is to encourage and to get you folks excited about, if God is saying you should go, then you should go. If God is saying you should send, then you should send. If God is saying open your home and welcome people, you should do that. And I want to help you figure out how to do that. And there's, it's not just me. There's more of you here that fit in this kind of practice. Boy, I'm really quickly running out of time, so uh, my apologies. But I want to get through some of those things. I also think there's a couple of things we need to talk about that are hindering us being available, maybe working out these practices in our lives. You know most of these. Perhaps you'll see yourself in a few of these. Number one among that probably is fear. How's it going to work out? What's going to happen? We talked about some of these already. You know, fear is an outcome of our doubt, which is the opposite of faith, which is what we started this whole message talking about last week. What if I don't get it right? All those things. Fear keeps us back. And we're going to talk a little bit about some things that are going to remove these hindrances. But fear is probably a very real hindrance to you in practicing either going or sending or mobilizing. What if I give my money away? What if I give too much of my money away? You know, if you're a sender, that's probably a fear you have. What if I give too much of my money away? 
I'm, I'm not supposed to take care of myself, my family, be, be wise. You know, can I stick a little in the bank first? And trust me, I'm not making comments about that. I'm just, those are the things that are running through our head. I think we have a hindrance of being unprepared. You know, lots of times we like to excuse ourselves and say, you know, we, we say we're unprepared so we're not willing to do it, but really we just don't see the opportunities. But I want to say that there's a possibility that we are actually unprepared. The Bible's very clear, right? If you do the things of the Spirit, you're walking in the Spirit. But, the, but if you walk according to the flesh, you do the things of the flesh. If you're walking according to the flesh, you are not prepared to be available to God when he wants you. Just plain and simple. If that's what our lives look like, we will not be prepared. doesn't matter how available we want to make ourselves be. We will not be prepared when God wants to use us if we're doing the things of the flesh. I think that's a true statement. Be prepared. If that's a hindrance, then let's change it. Let's make sure that we're prepared and ready. Let's, uh, as Jay Mass told us in the men's retreat, let's be actively waiting if we're on the bench. Here's another one that kind of gets in our way sometimes. We have a hindrance that we, are, we have other obligations. Joe, you talked about it, my time. We have other obligations. We have too many other things going on that we're not in a position where we can do either go or send or mobilize or welcome because there's too much other stuff going on. Now, this probably hits us a little home, at home too. I don't, maybe you're not like me, but that probably, that, that ought to step on our toes. When I look at our culture around us here, we have a lot of obligations. We're busy all the time. And maybe that's even doing some good things. So again, but a big part of being available is to say, I don't have too many obligations that prevent me that when the Lord says, hey, can you do this? That I say, oh, but I had that money set aside for something else. Or I, I was gonna do this for, or maybe I already did and I'm under a mountain of debt. And one final one is the fact that too many times apathy hinders us. We just don't care. This is not new stuff for us, right? But is it something that's applying to your life that you're hearing this morning and saying, ooh, ouch. Sometimes we just don't care. It's far too easy for us to live our lives and be happy and fat and satisfied and just not care that there are thousands, millions of people who die without knowing Jesus. Because we have this tendency to drift, we need to put some disciplines in place that we can keep ourselves uh, on the comp- with walking with the compass. Let me quickly walk through some of these. I think it's really important for us. Now, this is not an exhaustive, please, I should have said this first. This is not an exhaustive list of disciplines. There are many, many more. Just some ones that I picked out that I think are specific to the fact uh, for some of these hindrances I mentioned. I think we should walk in community. That's what keeps us encouraged. That's what keeps us on the straight path. That's, and it's not the only thing. I mean, clearly there's other things. But it's, it's walking together that keeps us, keeps us engaged, keeps us welcoming, keeps us sending. We get excited. We hear things about what people are doing. And that, 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 that serves to stir in us what God is doing. That keeps us, that, that allows us to be pointed out when we've started to drift a little bit and say, hey, you're, you're, you're being too tied up or you're, you're spending your money doing other things. Now, we don't ever talk about how other people spend their money, right? That's like off limits. It's a bit of a shame, actually. And I say that from both perspectives, mostly because we don't usually do it in the right perspective, the right, the right, from the right heart, if we're going to talk to someone, but also because we've treated that as that's ours and we get to say with what we want. But if I'm really available to God, then not, nothing that I have is mine, is it? Maybe you don't agree with me. I think simplicity is a discipline we need to practice. And this is very ironic coming from a culture that is sort of built on the fact that we are simple people. I think, look around us, I don't know that we're so simple anymore. 
if we have so many obligations that we're not available to go out to God, then I suggested to us that we should simplify our lives quite a bit. A lot of these you can uh, probably do on your own. Learning. You know, the first place you should be learning from is this right here. I, say it, I try to say it as often as I possibly can. The first place you should be learning from is this right here. Because that's what keeps you on true north. Learning about who God is and his heart for people. But you can also do other kinds of learning. Learn about other cultures. Do you know the best way to fight apathy about people that are going into Christless eternity is to learn about them, is to know about them. Because once you begin to put faces and names to real people, you understand that these are real people. Learn. Be a student. Don't stop learning. Read this. Read other things. Once a year, once a month, once a week. Learn about some other place, what their religion is and whatever. Learn about them. And the final one that I have to get to, of course, is prayer. This is the thing. (laughs) This is the thing that keeps us centered about as much as anything. Reading his word is, I mean, learning is part of that. But prayer, that we know the heart of God. Do you know how many times, think of your own life, how many times has God rearranged your priorities after you spent time in prayer with him? I have all these things. I want this, and I want this, I want to do this, and I want to ask God for this. I need his help with this. And when I come to spend time with him, suddenly all those things fade away, and I realize that's not really that important anymore. If we are not doing this, it's why we are drifting and have all all this other stuff going on, and we're not really available. Now, by the way, I I should say about this one, prayer really is not only a discipline, it actually also is a practice, because prayer is the work, Right? So when people are, are, are doing things, I mean, you could, you could really put it in that category of going, sending, welcoming, mobilizing, and praying. It really is a practice as well because the battle of uh, people's hearts is, is, is won in prayer. That's where it happens. Speaking of prayer, I want to wrap this up with this yet today. If, you, if you'll permit me, I have a little uh, video clip with, us today, with me today because there's a fantastic opportunity for you to pray I'll let the video speak for itself and I may make a comment about it. But you have at your, you have right now, starting today, for the next 30 days, you have one of the most fantastic opportunities for prayer that we're ever presented with. I'm afraid that most times we don't even think about it. I don't know if you're aware of this. Most of us aren't most times because it doesn't affect us. But today's the first day of Ramadan. If you know what Ramadan is, it's 30 days of Muslims fasting from sunup to sundown. They don't eat food for 30 days with the very intention that they need to find God. They know they need help. They know they have sinned, but they don't know where their Savior is. They're already looking for the answer. They're going to spend the next 30 days looking for the answer. Are we willing to pray that they find the right answer, the true answer, the actual answer, Jesus Christ? If You might have seen it up there, but there's a, uh, if you go to prayercast, P-R-A-Y-E-R-C-A-S-T, prayercast.com, you find resources. You can sign up if you want to. It gives you daily a uh, little email and some, some stuff just a reminder to pray for Muslims. You know, quite frankly, I don't know if I can say this, but since I usually don't guard my tongue too well when I'm up here, quite frankly, most times we actually don't like Muslims, which is the exact opposite response we should have. Are you willing to love people who are going to die and spend eternity in hell if they don't hear about Jesus? If so, would you pray for them for the next 30 days? I mean, they are making a significant effort by fasting to find the answer. They're deluded about what the answer is. That's where we come in. 
If you care to, check it out if you're available. <laughs> I can use that tagline tag since that's... But pray, not just for this, but pray. We're going to close today. Uh, I'm going to play a short prayer here, and then uh, uh, Joe actually asked for this, and it fits so well with what we're talking about that uh, asked Eric to lead I Surrender All as a closing song. So if you would pray with me real fast. God, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for the time we spent together. Thank you for the uh, open ears this morning. God, I ask very clearly, very specifically, you know I'm, I'm a man. Uh, I, my, I endeavor to speak your truth, and I don't always get it right. So anything that doesn't come from you, God, I, I want you to just strike it from our minds, from the record, or bring correction uh, through me, to me, as, as necessary. And those things that are from you, God, we want to have a heart that says you have, we have our permission to press it into us until our lives change to match what you've said. Thank you so much, Father. We love you. We're so grateful that you have seen fit that we might know the good news of Jesus Christ. Help us to be available to either go or to send or to welcome or to mobilize or to pray for those that don't so that you might have one day what you are moving towards, which you will have, by the way. We want to join you in what you will have one day. Your throne surrounded by people from all over the globe worshiping you, giving you glory. We want to be part of that, God. We look forward to it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stand, and then once the song is done, you can be dismissed.